What are tabletop role-playing games? Why should we even care about these games at all? Welcome back to Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering your lost role-playing hobby. My name is Che Webster, and today we're going to take a look at what role-playing games are and why anyone should care about them. Let's start with some useless pontification on role-playing theory, shall we? You can probably hop online and search for what is a role-playing game and come up with a host of different definitions. In fact, in preparing for this episode, that's what I did. There are worse ways to start a research task, right? Speaking as a philosopher, remember, I teach religious studies for a living. As a philosopher, I am strongly drawn to the need to define the terms of a discussion before we can have the discussion. With tabletop role-playing games, however, that can be a little problematic, simply because there isn't a universally agreed set of definitions for any of this stuff. People use the same words to mean different things, role-playing being a prime example. I've delved around the web and read loads of those what-is-role-playing sections from a host of role-playing games, Very few of them are very satisfying. For the purposes of this show, I want to steal some useful thoughts from other people and mash them into my own answer. Love him or hate him, the angry GM gives RPG advice with attitude. It was around Christmas time a year or so ago that I first began to read his blog, and I found a useful description of what role-playing games boil down to in the sixth article in his series about GMing, basically. I'll put a link to the article in the show notes. Angry writes, quote, Here's the deal. An RPG is about choice. That's what makes an RPG an RPG. Players project themselves into the minds of characters in another world and they make choices. Those choices have outcomes. They have consequences. And from that, a game emerges. I'm not going to deny that. Choice is the single most important aspect of every RPG. It isn't story, it isn't challenge, it isn't role-playing, it isn't imagination. At the heart of every RPG is the freedom to choose and the promise that choices have consequences. End quote. I like that definition because it cuts all of the crap that tends to accumulate around the question of what makes a role-playing game a role-playing game. RPGs are about choice. You take on a role what one British exam board defines as, quote, the function assumed or part played by a person or thing in a particular situation, end quote. You take on a role and you make choices from the standpoint of that role. Choices have consequences and, as Angry suggests, from those a game emerges. This is where I get all annoyed at the misuse of the word role-playing in the hobby community. Even Angry did it. For me, Role-playing is just that, playing a role. Contrary to popular belief, role-playing is not the same thing as acting or performing. Role-playing is about making choices in role. The second part of the phrase is, of course, game. Trying to define games is a task fraught with danger. I'm tempted to skip doing it. As the eminent researcher of role-playing games John Peterson notes in his seminal text, Playing at the World, quote, The various practices we group under the word games share surprisingly little in common. 
Consider that under the rubric of games fall activities as disparate as baseball, I Spy, and Avalon Hill's tactics. This great diversity is nothing unique to modern times. End quote. I'll just ask you to consider, as Peterson suggests, that all games have rules, and the rules of a war game, from which role-playing games emerged, constitute a system. Quote, Broadly, the system of a war game is the set of mechanisms that simulate the conditions and allow for the resolution of conflict, end quote. If we bring the angry GM's idea of choice within a role to meet Peterson's suggestion that games have rules to resolve conflict, then we are quite a bit closer to defining the medium. Players take on the roles of characters within a setting. The game master presents a situation to them and the players choose how their characters will act. Those actions have consequences. When the actions lead to conflict, the rules of the game are used to adjudicate the outcome. From this outcome is created the new situation. Rinse and repeat. Significant others have asked me the fairly predictable question throughout my entire gaming career. Why do you keep playing those silly games? While that question is meant as a criticism and designed to belittle the role-playing hobby, it turns out that it's a very useful question to ask. Why do we keep playing these games? In her book, The Functions of Role-Playing Games, social psychologist Sarah Lynn Bowman discusses the answers to this basic query. In short, participants in role-playing games create community, solve problems, and explore identity. It's a fascinating read if you like psychological texts, and I'll put a link to the book in the show notes. The question of why we play is fairly obvious from the inside, but opaque to anyone who hasn't really tried it. Firstly, we play games to create community. Given that this is why I do almost anything I love, it's no surprise that role-playing games appeal to me. We create community, Bowman suggests, through a combination of, quote, Role shifting, ritual enactment, narrative construction, and the utilization of archetypal imagery. End quote. In other words, we take on the role of a character. This isn't terribly new, by the way. We all play different roles in our daily lives, naturally shifting from one to another. On a weekend, I'm a husband and son and friend more than I am a teacher, for example. I shift into each role as the need arises. What makes the role-playing game different is that it forms a recent permutation of the traditional role-shifting involved in artistic expression, such as the parts played by artists or performers. We just get to do it with our friends in a less formal manner. We do this role-shifting together in a communal setting through the ritual enactment of the game. From this activity, we get to construct a narrative, what some people call a story, in a collaborative format. This, in turn, allows us to use the deep archetypal images that are drawn from the well of myths, epics and fairy tales. Doing this together draws us together as people. We learn to accept one another through experimenting with the various roles that we each can assume. We subconsciously let go of the idea that identity is fixed and learn to embrace difference at the gaming table. This whole process is, by the way, a lot of fun. It's a great release from the reality that envelopes our everyday life, and it opens up possibilities for new ways to experience life. Instead of being a teacher in a classroom, 
I get to be a cunning thief or a powerful wizard. I can be a hardy space grunt or a bold tomb raider. Each role allows me to explore new elements of my own personality and discover the richness that lies within the imagination. As I have said before, these are our stories. They tell us who we are. Having defined the terms and explored the value of tabletop role-playing games, it seemed appropriate to quickly touch on how they are played. At this point, I need to emphasize that I am talking about tabletop role-playing games as distinct from, say, computer RPGs or live-action role-play. There are many variations on the theme of role-playing games, but I am sticking to the core of the hobby, the original game, so to speak. For this, I am going to quote liberally from the sources I have already mentioned. Bowman writes, quote, Tabletop role-playing refers to any number of games played generally in groups of less than 12. Tabletop RPGs resemble board games, where players sit and relax while manoeuvring pieces on a board, end quote. While I take issue with the need to manoeuvre pieces, I think that she sets the scene quite helpfully. My groups meet in various locations, the front room of my home, the classroom where I work, and online through the use of an app and a headset microphone. In the first post in his GMing Basically series, the angry GM tells us more of the mechanic, the process of play. Quote, One, the DM presents a situation. Two, the players imagine their characters in that situation and decide how the character acts in response. Three, the DM determines the outcome and describes the results, creating a new situation, end quote. He goes on to break that down even further, but that's a discussion for another day. What's important is that the collaboration occurs within a system. It's a process that gives rise to a narrative interpreted through the player's perception of the situation. Situation, decision, consequence. It's a loop. It really is that simple. Finally, we can turn to the wisdom of the Alexandrian, Justin Alexander, and his excellent series on game structures. I am not going to delve too deeply into this wealth of theory, but in case you're interested, I'll stick a link in the show notes. Briefly, Justin outlines a series of basic structures around which role-playing games can be constructed. Quote, One of the most overlooked aspects in the design and play of traditional role-playing games is the underlying game structure, or, to put it another way, there are two questions which every game designer and GM must ask themselves. One, what do the characters do? Two, how do the players do it? These questions might seem deceptively simple, but the answers are complex, and getting the right answers is absolutely critical to having a successful gaming session. End quote. The big three game structures are dungeon crawls, hex crawls, and mysteries. In this series, I'd like to take time to explore some of those gaming structures and expand upon these basic points. Putting it all together in a sensible fashion, we can begin to imagine how to play a role-playing game. We meet somewhere as a social group, and we take on the roles of characters within a place and time. The GM presents a situation. We decide how to proceed, facing the consequences, and using the game rules to adjudicate the outcomes. All the group needs to know is what the players do, and how their players can do it. So why is it so tricky for people to get started? My goal is to give some options on how to make this whole gaming thing simpler. 
If you're curious to learn more, please remember to favorite or otherwise bookmark this podcast in whatever podcast app you're using. This series is all about finding a route back to the table, and I've got some interesting suggestions to share with you about your options. Of course, your story is unique and your journey will be filled with challenges. Perhaps together as a community, we can learn to find an acceptance of our hobby. In this episode, we've taken a look at what role-playing games are and why playing them can be a rich experience for anyone. As I've said before, role-playing games are not just a minor creative outlet or mere silly games. They are a foundational creative endeavour through which people can escape the mundane experience of life and enter a wonderland of possibilities. We've seen how these games can provide an opportunity to explore different roles, solve problems and create a communal narrative. Psychologically, role-playing games are rich and powerful tools that encourage communities of discovery in which people can find acceptance. Finally, we've touched on the how of playing these games. We learned that the systems of play are quite simple when you get to the root of it. We've also seen how the broader game structure is a vital and yet exciting avenue for discovering routes back to the table. Next time, I want to share a particular and recent discovery that I've made through putting all of these elements together with one group of players. I've been able to replicate the structure of my play, and I want to involve you in a grand experiment to spread this approach further. From there, I want to dive deeper into one particular game structure and noodle around with the possibilities. I hope that you're curious enough to stay with me on this journey. Who knows what we'll discover along the way. Hi, Jay. This is Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor Podcast. Uh, I just started listening to your first episode and uh, listened to episode zero. So welcome. I just want to welcome you to the Anchor family. Yeah, we have a good group here that uh, has a lot of good conversations and that. So welcome aboard and uh, look forward to the episodes that you have coming up. I, it, I think you have a kind of a unique angle compared to the rest of us. So it'll be interesting. So um going to go listen to your next episode. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Tim. Great to hear from you. Thanks for dropping me a message. You get the honor of being officially the first person to press that button and say something. Seriously, though, I'm, I'm hugely grateful for the welcome. It's a big encouragement. Thank you. As for Unique, well, I hope the show offers something of interest and will, in time, begin to invite people back to the gaming table. Thanks again, Tim. I suppose I better go listen to Gothridge Manor too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Roleplay Rescue. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for Roleplay Rescue and tap on the messages button to leave yours. I'm Che Webster. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with another episode. Game on.